أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته This is Yusuf Azhar It is What is today? January 30th, 2023 um, So this is episode 2 of uh, planned 6-part series about my experience in uh, experience living in Blythe, California So um Last episode, we stopped where I was describing about my um, experience uh, at the new school in Blythe and how um, it, it, the, the, the locker room was really violent and I was, I was very scared, actually, and, and I learned to start like watching my back all the time. And then the, in particular, there's this one kid who's particularly um, problematic uh, and he had taken some kind of pin, pushed it through the toe of his shoe, so the the sharp part was sticking out, and uh, uh, he he wore that shoe and he was going around trying to kick people with it. Um, and so, um, luckily, I never got stabbed with that pin, or um, I generally didn't get hurt actually, because I just, like I said, I very quickly realized that I just have like to, I just have to watch my back all the time. Um, and so um, I did that and I found out that there was this kind of, I don't want to say hierarchy, but like you just had to know who had what role, basically. Some kids were nice, some kids were meek, other kids were really disgusting and obnoxious and gross. Um, other kids were just bullies. Um, so there's just all kinds of kids. Some kids were, were like the jocks and were, um, were more into like sports activities some kids were, I didn't actually at that time, or at that age, I didn't really understand this very well, but um, some kids were just like high all the time. Um, like I said, I, I didn't really understand what was going on at that time, but looking back, I realized that's what was going on. Anyway, so um, so so that was gym um, or PE and um, other classes uh, I, that I started attending, just let's say math and English and social studies and things like that um what quickly happened was like the, I, I got a lot of attention from the teachers so the teachers like oh you know this this guy's uh, really smart and um not that I was at all but but just like the, the level of the schooling was just so different that when I came in um to that grade which was what seventh grade um like over time though um I, I like I couldn't maintain it let's put it that way um, over time, I started to not be as into school, uh, probably because I was just surrounded by people who were, who were like that. And I was certainly affected by the people um, who were around me. So anyway, that's that's how school went. Um, the other funny thing was that um, the bus stop each morning, um, at first I didn't know anybody and I would just stand by myself. Eventually one of the groups of students who, who would be waiting at the bus stop each morning, they noticed that I was just kind of standing by myself. So eventually they started talking to me and I really, really appreciated it. Uh, but then what I quickly found out was that every morning what they would do is they would um, evaluate what each person was wearing, what clothes each person was wearing. And if you were wearing like, you know, uh, what's the right word, like fashionable clothes, let's say, um, then, you know, that would be great. And they would praise you. And if you were not wearing that, and I definitely could not afford those kind of clothes, 
they would just just mock you like relentlessly just just horrible i don't even know how to describe it um and you know it it, it made me feel terrible so i would i went to my parents and said like hey we got to buy these clothes and i got you know i'm getting like mocked all the time and my you know my parents just couldn't afford it so what you know obviously was not their fault um and uh but that was tough but either way they were they were all i had uh so i had no choice but to but to just continue to put up with the mocking and the mockery and um uh and just you know so i could be with them because i had nobody else so that's that's how that went um that particular group i ended up you know getting being uh more friendly with them and then we would do things after school together um in particular we would play um football there, there are like a lot of dirt roads in the in the uh so you may recall that i mentioned that we live in this area called the mesa which is a little bit separate from the city of blythe and um there there weren't many paved roads in that entire neighborhood uh and um and so we would just play um football uh like two-hand touch football in the um on the, in the dirt roads there so that's kind of how that developed you know um and, and that was the beginning of me starting to to like make friends and and get integrated into this new into this very new lifestyle again coming from a college town coming from davis this is so different um so the people were were not very well off and um not very educated um and so just a completely different culture all right so one of the things that happened was that uh one one of the families in particular um whose kids i would stand with at the bus stop and and spend time with i guess they used to also go to church although they never seemed very religious to me at all in the least but i guess they had some connection to the to the local church or something so the mom said hey uh you know that kid yusuf cannot come into our house anymore um and their house actually was the main hangout spot for for our friends or one of the main ones um and we would go there and watch TV and, you know, goof off and stuff. So, yeah, just one day they were just like, yeah, can't come in anymore. And the kids felt bad about it. But the reason was because of me being Muslim. So even though I wasn't at that time religious at all, um, but they knew somehow in the, in the community word got around that, you know, that were there and that the family's Muslim. And I guess um, their church told them to, to not allow me to go into their house. So, you know, that was that felt really bad. I uh, did not understand it very well. It was very new to me. I'd never, nothing like that had ever happened to me before, but, you know, that's how it was. So I spent more and more time um, in that neighborhood, got to know uh, the people better. One of the boys who, who uh, or w- one of my friends, one of my new friends, um, his dad always kind of surprised me. He was very nice. Um, he, he ran his own business, uh, but he couldn't read or write. And, um, you know, that would come up every now and then just like, like they never said like, Hey, guess what? You know, my my dad doesn't, can't read or write, but like things would happen. And then he would have, um, the dad would have his son read things for him, stuff like that. And so anyway, sooner or later I found out and, uh, um, it was kind of amazing to me because he, he actually had his own business and, and they were compared to the other families that they certainly had more money. Um, so that was just something new that I had not uh, dealt with before. Also, there was a lot of emphasis on military type stuff. And so families, 
uh, multiple families had some connection or other to the military. And um, whether it was somebody's father had been had fought in Vietnam or somebody's relative was a Marine or something or other, there's almost always some kind of connection. And um, so was, so with some of the friends, there was there was a lot of focus on military type things. So um, they would always be in this mode about like survival and, you know, uh, they'd always want to buy these fancy knives. When I say fancy, I mean like, like army kind of knives. Um, and they had magazines about all those kind of things. Um, I didn't really like, get really that into it, but because they were my friends and I was around them a lot, um, I, I kind of did. Um, j- just because that was what we were like talking about a, a lot. Also, a lot of people had BB guns, and I had one too. So a typical activity would be go out into the desert, which literally, like I said, for where my house was at the edge of the of the neighborhood in Mesa, literally across the street, desert, just open desert. And then in the distance, you could see these mountains, which I think were called the chocolate mountains. And um, this is desert landscape. There's all these bushes. And so you'd go out and you would um, you would shoot lizards, which uh, I feel pretty bad about now because, you know, like what do those lizards do? you know, to get shot, but, um, there's really no purpose for it other than just entertainment. Uh, but that's what we did. We would take our BB guns out into the desert. Um, you know, a bunch of boys, me and my brother and like other neighborhood boys and just go around looking for lizards to shoot. And that's what we would spend hours doing that kind of thing. But anyway, so, but this is my new life, you know? So around this time, these are, I'm talking about the first I think about the first two years or so of, of living in, uh, in the Mesa. Um, that's when a lot of these things happened. And the other thing that really sticks with me till today, and I'm not 100% sure why, but I, I, I do end up thinking about it a lot, is this one particular guy. And I'm not going to say his name just in the off chance that somebody somehow knows him, but um, I'll call him M for the, for the purpose of, the, uh, of this episode. He was known to always wear black. Okay, so we'd be at school. He also lived in the Mesa, but I would just see him get on the bus and go to school and then he would come back and then he would just go home and he would go home. And initially, um, I uh, I never went to his home. So I really only spent time with him at school, but he was cool. We looked up to him. Um, I'm guessing he was probably about a year, year or two older than me or something like that. So me and a few other guys would hang out with him. And um, oh, his hair would always be slicked back or, or combed very nicely. He would be wearing, like I said, all black. He had this kind of cool walk. He would his hands would be in his pockets. And um, anyway, we kind of looked up to him, to M. Now, one of the things about M was he was a thief, constantly stealing. And um, you know, I hung around with these boys. Unfortunately, this particular group of friends around M. They just were thieves. I mean, they would steal a lot of stuff. So uh, I, I didn't steal, but I did help them one time, unfortunately, um, at one of the gas stations in the Mesa. There's two gas stations at the Mesa. So at one of them, it was, it's a really big gas station, actually. Or a truck stop, I should say. It's a big truck stop. And uh, it had a pinball machine. And this pinball machine... For some, it was really weird. For some, re- I still don't know. When I think back, I'm like, how did how did that thing even work? I don't I don't know how it worked, but 
I know that when you put the quarter into it, it would fall into this chamber and you could see the quarters. Which I don't know who designed that or why, but it's very seems like a very dumb design to me. But they did that. And of course, these boys saw the quarters and they started scheming about how to get those quarters out of there. So what they came up with was they figured out a way to um, open up the, the, the slot, one of the slots where you could drop quarters in through just enough that you could stick a a wooden stick through like an actual stick and they uh, put a piece of gum at the end of it that was sticky enough that you could pick up one quarter at a time so i went with M and these other guys who were with him and i think they put me on on lookout or something so i was supposed to alert them if somebody was coming by so they just got to work there pretending like they were playing this you know pinball machine game and they were like uh, quickly using the the stick with the piece of, with the chewed up gum on it to take out quarters. I don't know how many quarters they got out. I cannot imagine it was more than like a few dollars worth of quarters. Um, I didn't see any of that money, but um, but that's just one of my memories. Like I, again, I'm giving you a sense of like how my life changed and like what kind of things were going on uh, at this point. M was really good at picking locks, so. Uh, in particular, um, combination locks, those old school like master locks, they're super cheap. Like I think it's not that hard to open them, but he didn't even need to do anything much. Like he could just listen to it and he had this trick where, uh, he could, he, within seconds he would have the locks opened. So he would use all the time at school. You know, we had lockers, he would use it there. One time I went with him to a basketball game, um, like a probably junior high basketball game or high school. I don't remember. And uh, everybody's watching the game. And then he tells me, like, come with me. So he walks into the, to the, the boys' basketball team's locker room. And I'm feeling really weird. Like, we're not supposed to be here. But he takes me in there. And he just calmly just goes one by one to each locker, opens it, looks through the stuff, takes whatever he wants. And then uh, I think I'm pretty sure he, he would relock the, uh, the lockers. Um, you came out so you know unfortunately that's that's the kind of stuff he did um, and this is the era of Beastie Boys so License to Ill had come out recently people were crazy about it including me um, so we would listen to it all the time so anyway one day M tells us oh sorry even before I get to that one of the th- M's common topics was how much how, how great his father was and so he would tell us you know my father he um he just gives me $50 allowance. And to us, that was mind blowing. Like, I don't think I, I don't think I got any allowance at all. Uh, if other kids got some, they were poor too. Like, I don't think they got much. Then he's just like walking in at that, that time, you know, you're like talking eighties. Um, and saying that his father gives him like $50 allowance per week or month or something. It just blew our minds. We're like, what kind of man is this? You know, it's amazing. And so I think we asked him like, what does your dad do? And so he gave us this really wishy-washy answer about how his dad um, inspects uh, agricultural fields for weeds or something really weird like that. And uh, but we bought it because in Blythe there actually was some agriculture, uh, you know, industry that was going on. And um, whatever that was, it was M. And again, we looked up to him. We wouldn't probably question him a whole lot. One day he tells us, "Hey, you guys should come to my place." Because I've hooked up my stereo in a way that when I play the uh, BC Boys, um, I connected 
the stereo to lights and so the lights flash along with the beat of the music we're like oh my god that's amazing we have to see that so one day we make a plan after school we take the bus home you know to the mesa as usual and we get off that the bus and we we all go with him to his house but when we're going to his house we're walking down this dirt road and all i see is like kind of an empty lot with a um with like a one of those mobile home kind of things on it and he walks right up to the mobile home and, it, and i'm talking it is small like it's a really tiny mobile home i'm like what like he lives in this and sure enough he goes inside of it and he's like come on in we go inside and it's just like cramped it's like stuff all over the place you can barely move through it but yeah he did have this tiny little room in in that mobile home unit and um you know, we just sat on stuff like there because there's so many things in that little room that he had and he did have a stereo and he did play BC Boys for us and it did, you know, the lights did flash the way he described. And but the whole time I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this poor guy lives in this. Like we thought he was so wealthy that his dad gives him $50 a month or whatever. And actually, they're like poverty, like total poverty. And then. But you couldn't tell to look at him. You know, he's always clean. His hair was always combed. He just looked, you know, seemed well dressed. But now that I think back, he pretty much wore almost the exact same clothes every single day, and they were black. So you know, probably couldn't even tell if they were washed or not washed. Um, and then at some point, his his dad comes home, and and I was just like, wow, I, you know, that's a big deal. Like I actually want to meet this guy. His dad comes in, barely acknowledges us. He um. He throws a bag of Del Taco, like a Del Taco bag, uh, at M, and um, and M just grabs it and then opens up, opens up the bag, grabs burrito or whatever is in it, and he just kind of wolfs it down. Like just the whole exchange was just so weird, and his and then his dad took off, and it, and the whole thing just shocked me, and I still now cannot get it out of my mind, of like what we thought his life was like and what it actually was like, and his mom was never around like he never talked about her we never saw her so i have no idea what the story is with his mom um but uh anyway that's the story of m um i do remember him a lot and it was weird because uh because he was a thief but at the same time um he had what i feel is a noble characteristic which is that uh even though he, he lived in in this extreme sort of poverty situation he made his doubt sound like this super amazing person you know and, and i think that's very noble so anyway it, it, it was just introduction it was like this introduction to the idea that people are complex and that you know you cannot just um assume things about people and you and you cannot uh like just you know you you don't know you don't know what what people are really like people aren't all just good or all bad or anything like that like each person has um, has a lot going on. The other interesting thing that happens when you live in the desert is uh, the weather. So we could be playing um, football in the street, and um, all of a sudden, way in the distance, you could see, um, what do they call them? Thunderheads or something like that. Basically, these dark clouds. Um, and because it's a desert, because you can, and so you can see really far. I mean, the air is pretty clear, and there's just an obstructed view. 
So way off, at, like literally just, just above the horizon, you would see these clouds. And then everybody would be like, run, you know, like go <laughs> take shelter. And sure enough, those clouds would be there in minutes and it would just be pouring. It was just the weirdest thing like that. I never had experiences like that um, outside of Blythe. But that's, that's another thing. Okay, so at this point, I've been in Blythe for a few years. Our family has settled in. I'm very much in a totally different lifestyle at this point. Um, you know, all the things I mentioned, uh, whether it's uh, BC boys or um, like being into like military culture, let's just say, uh, and then just generally being around a less educated uh, population. One of the things that becomes popular in the school is skating. So I got into that. I got into skating as well. And um, meanwhile, my, my childhood best friend, Chris, uh, we're still staying in touch this entire time. We're, we're, we're sending um, paper letters, physical paper letters to each other back and forth. And every now and then we're even talking on the phone, which back then was expensive because it's a long distance call. And um, but we're doing it. We're making it happen. We're staying in touch. And Chris actually makes a visit to the, to the Mesa and, and spends time with me, which I thought was so nice of him. And uh, I still remember it vividly. Um, it must have been such an absolute shock for him because it's so different than Davis. But um, but he was a great sport about it, of course. And uh, we had a great time. So that was really nice. That's one of my really good memories from that time period. The way the Mesa basically wraps up is that my dad tells us that um, we're going to move to a to a different house in the city of Blythe. So that was a big deal for us. So we were like, wow, that's great. We're going to be closer to our schools. And, you know, that's where a lot of the activity is happening in the city. Whatever, not that there's a ton of activity in Blythe but at that time, but um, certainly a lot more than what was going on at the Mesa. So what we find out, though, is that <laughs> We're moving to a very specific neighborhood in, in Blythe. And uh, that neighborhood was known to be so violent and dangerous. It was considered a Mexican ghetto. And its nickname was El Cochillo. So the nickname was The Knife. But that's where we were moving to. So I am going to leave it at that for now. And uh, we will pick back up at the, at the next episode. So... Thank you as always for listening and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa